as we continue our Christ Local series, uh, we've hit the part of why membership. So why at Refuge we practice membership. There's other churches in our area that don't practice membership. They just have people that come to their church on a regular basis and they just see them as part of their local church. Uh, So why does Refuge do that distinction of membership? And as Stephen talked about last week, we pursue covenant membership. Um, And so sometimes when we reflect back on covenant, we think of family. And, you know, my wife and I entered in the covenant of marriage, that definite commitment to one another. It's a little bit deeper than just a promise. It's um, like God, when he made the promise, it, he will deliver or he would be like those animals apart. And we know God can't be torn apart, so God definitely keeps those promises. And so sometimes when we think about membership, we think of it a, a similar way as a family. And some of you may or may not know that in my family, my mom is one of nine, my dad's one of eight. So that makes for a whole lot of cousins and uncles. And just one side, we have over 80 now. Uh, And so if you combine them all, it's well over 100 people that would be my family. And so as we think through that, it's kind of important just to think of, okay, what does a good family do? But then also, I was struck by a story that I was reading in Bloomberg Business Week, and it was about a company last year in March of 2019. Norsic Hydro is a company that's based out of a European country, but they also have separate companies down in South America and and one over in Pennsylvania. And they're a well-known aluminum manufacturer. Well, in March of 2019, they started coming under an attack around midnight. Two hours later, uh, one of their people at their main computer headquarters at their central office started noticing what was happening and started turning things off. So they turned off their website. They started taking things offline, like their website, their email, uh, and all other types of things started coming off. Payroll, uh, 20% of their servers had been rendered useless. And then they started get, they got a note, and it said, Greetings, there were significant flaws in the security of your system, of your company. You should be thankful that the flaw was exploited by serious people and not some rookies. They would have damaged your, all your data by mistake or fun. Make a payment in bitcoins in exchange the hackers would provide a encryption key so that they would just apply this key and all their data would be back to normal. Those of you that don't know, Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency, so you can't really track it. And so sometimes we face this same reality with our own computers at home. You know, we try to do that Norton antivirus or other types of software. We try to have a firewall and other types of things to keep people out from getting in and wreaking havoc on our computers or infrastructures of our businesses. But... As they walk through that, they kind of modeled, in a way, what membership is. And as we look at Hebrews and 1 Corinthians today, um, even because this is topical, we don't get too much into some of the historicalness of the text and all those connecting things, because that would maybe take too much time. But one thing I will show you today, and one thing that we're examining, is membership helps leaders know who they are continually watching over, and the covenant community community who they are continually caring for. The main thing in there to focus on is continually. Our leaders continually are watching over us. And in Hebrews, we'll look at how they are watching over us. And then covenant community, who we are caring for. What does that care look like? Is care all about those warm fuzzies or is there other stuff involved with care? So as we start looking at this, it's important that we focus on leaders that you can 
joyfully follow. Sometimes we begrudgingly follow a boss or something like that, but it's important that our church leaders are people that we can joyfully follow. And as we look at Hebrews 13, 17, there's some parts I want to point out. And one thing that I learned as going through this preaching class that John put together as kind of a test case over the summer was trying to look for what's called the fallen condition focus. And we just refer to it as the FCF. And that is kind of looking for what is the main part of the text. And so when we look at both passages today, that's what I also I want to point out to you. So when we look at Hebrews 13, 17, it says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls, as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and without groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So as we look at this, what are some of the main things in there that it is saying for us? One, we see obey and submit to your leaders. And some people immediately don't like that because one, we don't like submitting to anybody unless we say, yep, they're worthy to submit to. And so on a continual basis, we're evaluating, is this person worthy to submit to? Can I submit to this? Do I know enough about their decision to say, yes, I would come to the same conclusion. Now I can follow you. If so, your submission is solely based on you, your filter, how you perceive it, and you knowing enough about the situation that you would make the same call to. Sometimes I think it's important that we sit back and and examine how do we submit to our leaders? Because in some ways we don't want to just go in and follow everything they say without any question whatsoever. And so we want to evaluate things within the line of scripture, but how do we obey our leaders with letting them do that joyfully? Well, I think for all of us, that means there takes a, a bit of humility. We have to be humble. We have to check our pride Sometimes when we send those emails or those texts to a pastor, sometimes that doesn't necessarily convey your tone that all that well. So maybe being careful how we send those. But then also when we talk to them and we may not agree with a decision or we're trying to understand a decision, how are we wording those things? Because there's so many different times over the four years that I've been a bivocational elder that it's a matter of just how it was approached. I have no problem talking over and dialoguing over a decision that was made or walking through it but it's how it was approached can take a lot of that joy away of leading. So when we submit to them, it's perfectly fine to bring up certain things where we see things biblically. We may not, we struggle to understand that, but do we question every single thing that happens? Do we sit there and have to filter it ourselves every bit of the way? Because as we look at what does the elder do, the elders are keeping watch over your souls as ones who will give an account to who? And that's one thing that as an elder, and I've heard several of the others say this, that scares us sometimes late at night as we wonder how we have cared for you and did we care for you well? When we give an account to God for how we cared and lead you, sometimes we're, we're sitting there digging through the scriptures going, did we do this faithfully? Did we miss something? Did we misunderstand something? So there's a lot of times where you'll lose some sleep over that part right there as an elder. Give an account. Because it's not like I'm going home and I'm accountable to my wife about something. It's not like I'm going to work and I'm accountable to my principal for something. Or, you know, as a kid growing up, accountable to your parents for something. No, you're accountable before God and he knows everything about it. So sometimes it causes us to examine our hearts How are we pursuing care for you? How are we pursuing walking you through that situation? 
There's so much weight that comes with that that sometimes when we've tried to examine the scriptures, we've dug in them overnight, we've given up maybe sleep to be able to look at those scriptures and be able to think about those things, to talk to other pastors about the situation that might be going on. And then trying to walk people through that. And sometimes when it comes up like it's not joyfully received, it can take a whole lot of, out of that and cause us to question, did we do this faithfully to God's word? So when you are asked to submit to your leaders, it's a big thing for us to think through. Are we able to joyfully follow them? Can we obey and submit to them? And then a couple points, we're going to find out how we submit to them and why we should submit to them. But we submit to them because they are keeping watch over our souls. And let them do this with joy. It's so important for us to pursue membership at a local church so that one, the leaders can know who they are continually watching over. If we don't have membership, how do we help leaders be able to do this? To basically tell our leaders, our elders, yes, I'm willing to be held accountable to this body, but I'm also willing to joyfully follow its leaders. Sometimes when people look at leaving a church, that's one of the things that comes under question is they can't follow leaders anymore. And sometimes it's important to evaluate that. You know, is it biblical? Is it really something that is what you perceive and is established to be your perspective in scripture? Or is it just you don't like the submit thing? You've been asked to submit to things and you don't like the answers that come your way. I think it's important for us to evaluate how we submit to our leaders. As we look at membership, those of you that are a part of Refuge Church or those that are looking at pursuing membership at Refuge Church, are you willing to joyfully follow the elders of this church and leaders that we might place over you? Because if you struggle with that, you're not going to understand the rest of this message. Because the rest of this focuses on what do we do now that we're following leaders joyfully? As we look at the second part, Community care that purifies. And as we said on the main point, it's continually caring for one another. It helps us to know who we're continually caring for. But it is care that purifies. It's important for us to not just look at the 1 Corinthians 5 passage that you might have reflected on in your refuge community and say, oh, this is about sexual immorality. No, it is not. That is not just what this text is about. If you came away walking away with that, let me point out some things for you. As we start in 1 Corinthians 5, it says, It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you. And what is the part that comes next? Of a kind that is not tolerated even among the pagans. So if you look at it as, just look at this as, there's sin among you that isn't even tolerated among the pagans. What's Paul trying to say? For a man is, has his father's wife, as I see it, his mother, which is weird. And you're arrogant. He's doing the sin that's not even acceptable among the pagans, and he's arrogant about it. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. There's a sin that they're tolerating amongst them. They're being arrogant about it and not doing anything about it. They're not addressing it. If anything, they're almost like boasting and saying, yay, this is fun. And then we continue in verse 3. For though absent in body, I'm present in spirit, and as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus and my spirit is present with the power of the Lord Jesus, you are delivered this man to Satan for the destruction of flesh 
so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. This sounds very similar to another process that we talk about when you go through our membership class here at Refuge. We do believe in church discipline. And this is one of those passages that we reflect on when we talk about that. So what is he talking about here? He's talking about the very last part of church discipline where the church excommunicates them and basically treats them as an unbeliever. And so the next part addresses that. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that little leaven, little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you already are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sanctified. Let us therefore, therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice. What are we supposed to, what are we supposed to celebrate? The festival with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. As we look at joyfully following leaders, do we also look at sincerity and truth and celebrating that? Sometimes we want to hide the truth that's going on. What is the truth that is happening in this? Sin is happening and the church isn't standing up against it. Even the general society, those that are not a part of the church are saying this is wrong and you're still boasting about it like it's something good. But sometimes when we get that sincerity and truth, we don't like to accept it. I wrote to you in my letter, do not associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meeting the sexual immoral of this world, for the greedies and swindlers and idolaters. And then hopefully you cut this part. Since then you would not, you would need to, since then you would need to go out of this world. He's not telling us to not associate with sinners in general, what is he telling us to? Not associate with those that would call themselves a part of the body of Christ, that would say that they're saved, worthy of taking this cup, but yet they're going home and doing sins that aren't even acceptable by even pagans, or even the church should not stand for. That's who he's telling we should not associate with. Those are the people we should draw a clear line with. They're not following scripture. And then the last part clarifies that even more. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother. Because as a part of a church family, these are our brothers and sisters in Christ. Do not associate with anyone that bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality, greed, or is an idolater, rivaler, drunker, or swindler. Not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside purge the evil pagan from among you. And so as we search this, sometimes there can be a little bit of, whoa, do we, do we really understand this? This seems very intense. This seems very hostile. What's it hostile towards? I think it's hostile towards what has been said about the church ever since I was, long before I was born, is that it's full of hypocrites. Because there's churches that let this happen. They call themselves a follower of Christ, and yet they don't model Christ. And when you approach them and say, that's not modeling Christ, they don't seem to care. That's what it's talking about. You wouldn't be able to still identify me as a teacher if I did not seek to teach my students. If I was not trying to grow as a teacher, to become a better teacher, that would not be a good teacher. They even set up a system for teachers called continuing education. We have to get so many credits every five years and turn them into the state just to maintain our license. 
Before I could renew my license last summer, I had to basically have a principal sign off on it, submit all the hours that I had done to show that I'm trying to grow as a teacher and become a better teacher. And yet as a church, sometimes people meet this with hostility that we would even think that we're going to examine and try to walk through things and see where we might be struggling to be a good follower of Christ. They do it at my job. Isn't following Christ a higher calling than what I do as a profession? I would think so. So we need to focus on, it's talking about sin. Even the pagans do not tolerate. They are arrogant about their sin. They're asking him to deliver this man over to Satan. That's the very last step in the process of church discipline. Their boasting is not good. And it's especially because he bears the name of brother. If he is guilty of sexual immorality, greed, idolater, rivaler, drunkard, swindler, purge the evil from among you. So as we talk through what I was saying earlier, what is that fallen condition focus of this text? What's the main thing? I believe it happened early on in this text. And you are arrogant. Ought you rather mourn? Sometimes as we look at sin happening amongst us, Shouldn't we rather mourn? I think it's absolutely absurd that there are some people that would say they're a follower of Christ and they don't follow what's very obvious in Scripture is not exemplifying Christ. Some of you would try to filter it through just leaders that you can joyfully follow. Well, if you heard certain ways, if I was mistreating my wife, should I be an elder? Well, why should I not be an elder then but still would be able to be a part of this community if I'm doing certain things to my wife that isn't even acceptable among the pagans. Not only should I not be an elder, but I should also be excommunicated from a church. And so as we look at this passage, this is what membership is truly about and why we have it is the continual care for one another. Leaders understanding who to focus on. And sometimes we can get distracted by so many different things in this world but it's really what it comes down to is this last part. And before I mention what our third point is, let's go back to this company that had this virus come at them. And some people will call it like a Trojan horse type virus, but it really was just encrypting all their stuff so they couldn't use it and really try, tore them down. They never considered paying the ransom because they didn't want to see it as an easy target for the future. So they basically called all hands on deck. Once they first notices this, they called the plant in... Pennsylvania and said you need to get all your workers to the plant and start printing off stuff and as he got there he's like well maybe somebody ran into a phone pole so they're printing off stuff before the power goes out when he gets there he realizes this is crazy because everybody's unplugging computers and stuff like that and one of the workers got on their personal cell phone posted on the company's Facebook page because their website was offline so that people would be able to understand they're under an attack they started trying to keep things running without computers this plant in Pennsylvania, sure, a lot of it is done by physical labor, but they use computers to keep track of over 5,000 different types of impressions that they would be able to make and molds they would use to be able to send car parts to Tesla and Ford. If those stopped, what does that affect also? Those companies. So they felt this desire to keep going with keeping the company running. Salespeople, instead of getting on the phone and trying to make sales, they were basically taking these printouts from forms that they had off of old computers that weren't even tied into the network anymore 
And they were printing off forms and of the orders and then running it to the floor so that they could go ahead and continue making their products. So salespeople not doing their role anymore are now basically an errand running boy of this paper to the floor to be able to get orders still going. They also reassessed their computers and they had some of the infected computers basically get transported back to where they could clean them up or fix them up and then send them back out. So they started like this Pony Express kind of thing where they would run computers down and then the good ones would come back out and they'd be able to start bringing them online. And this is one thing it also said in the article, and I think we need to pay attention to this. Even when you do everything you can to protect yourself from a cyber attack, a determined adversary will almost always be able to wreak havoc. In other words, it is less a question of how to stop hackers from breaking in than how to survive the inevitable damage. And as we focus on that, I think it's one thing that we need to keep in line with as well, is that we need to realize 1 Corinthians 5 is not describing those, speaking of very super obvious sin, but it's talking about each one of us. Do we believe that we have gotten to the point where we are perfect? No one is perfect except for Christ. So we aren't at least cognate and observant that sin does still happen in our lives. You might need to take some humility. You might need to learn a little bit more about the gospel because we all need Christ. We all need to grow. And so as we talk about things at Refuge, and one thing that I walked your Refuge community leaders over this past summer is the importance of when we're talking in our Refuge communities, when we're going back over this past sermon or even this sermon as you meet this week, it's important to look at what area are you struggling with? We have five identities here at Refuge. Those five identities, hopefully your RefCom leaders are working on memorized, memorizing or already have memorized. Those five identities, first one, learners and disciples. Do we really embrace, do we really feel assured in the gospel because we are learners and disciples of it? Do we see ourselves growing? We are a worshiper. Now, some of you think worshiper. Yeah, I come on Sunday and I sing songs. That is not what it's talking about. If so, you just minimize what worship is. And Alex would love to have coffee with you, right? Because worship is a lifestyle. How you live, how you interact with people, how you even approach and perceive other people around you. Thirdly, family. And I'm not talking about my family of over 100 aunts, uncles, and cousins. I'm talking about my family that's right here with me now. Servants. Are we willing to serve and consider others better than ourselves? And lastly, missionaries. Are we willing to go out and share with others about the gospel? And as we look at this, there's one thing that is important about community, and that's our third point. It's for the glory of God. For what, what did we see in Hebrews was the main thing about why we follow our leaders joyfully, because they will have to give an account to God. And God is one who rightly is adamant about his glory because there is nothing better. As we looked at the first Corinthians passage, it was talking about that his spirit may be saved. And Christ is our Passover land. God is the one that judges outsiders. It's important for us to realize that the community membership is for the glory of God. And if you still don't understand quite what membership is all about, then maybe you weren't connecting these two pieces, joyfully following leaders and a continual caring community for the glory of God. If you don't understand those three pieces, then you don't really understand what I'm talking about. So maybe you need to understand it from a different sense. Hydroelectric 
a bunch of people that did not identify with Christ was able to rally around a cyber attack so that their company could still function. They knew a cyber attack was inevitable, but they tried to do everything they could to keep it out, but it still got in. What did they do? How did they respond once it happened? All hands on deck, some of them staying at the office 24-7, sleeping in basically equivalent lockdown break room where they weren't even allowed to go to the bathroom. They couldn't leave to go to the bathroom. That's how serious and locked down they wanted to make it. And so this company committed to just providing aluminum and parts for other manufacturers around the world was able to rally around. Do we not have a greater calling as followers of Christ to continue pursuing God's glory? As we think through this, it's very important that we realize membership helps leaders know who they are continually watching over and the covenant community, who are they continually caring for. It's because of this. In 2004, I watched a, my best friend come under attack of accusations of sin that may, may have been happening in his life. He was not in a covenant community at that time. He only had two people, his mother and me, telling him those accusations are false. But because he was not in a covenant community, he did not have the family of God, multiple people telling him and looking in and knowing what's going on in his life, telling him that it is wrong what's being said about you. And instead, he went through a very struggling time in his life where he really second-guessed himself as a follower of Christ. And he found himself in this deep despair, and I didn't know how to get him out of it. I'm trying to tell him gospel truths, but I'm just one person. His mother is trying to tell him the same thing, but we're just two people. Yet some of you may have remember, some of those that have been around Refuge City for quite a long time might remember what happened about four years ago. We had a members meeting, and we had an elder coming to a members meeting thinking that he was going to be fired, that he was going to be removed, because accusations were coming up again. We let those accusations be known to the Refuge City family so that we could examine it. And then a couple, a month or two later, we reconvened and we said we did not agree with those. That same person now has covenant community looking at the sin and saying, we don't agree. And that gave him promise. That gave him hope. That no, this sin that you think is happening in my life is a false accusation and could be based on your own pride. There might have been a little bit to it, but not to the extent that you need to remove an elder. He wasn't like being prideful or boastful about it like we're looking at 1 Corinthians 5. He was trying to really examine it. Is this really happening? And then also, in a different sense, some people pursue community and you look for the markers that you want. What are some of those markers that you see people commonly use to identify a community. You look for people in a similar life phase. You look for a place that has kids maybe the same age as yours. You look for maybe a community that might have people that are a little bit older than you. You look for a community that might have some people that are a little bit younger than you. Well, when you look at those, you just took almost every single reason that I am committed to this church away. Because there is no one else in the room that is in the same life phase as me. You just ostracize me if that's your perspective. There is no other person in this room that I know of that married a widow and has never had kids with their wife. I only have kids through adoption. So where's my community if that's your approach? I don't think you'll find many of them 
in the Dayton area because as I approach things as a father, and I've only been a father of seven years, but yet I have a son that lives out of the house and a daughter that just started driving. Where's my community? If that's what unites us. Because I think one thing that I've learned, and maybe it's just because of the hardship and the things that I've been through and the way God has ordained my life, is that the true importance of covenant community. Because as I face struggles as a father, as I face struggles as a husband, as I face struggles just in any aspect of life, there's so many different things that get said said to me, and I try to examine them, and I bring them to my church family and say, what am I doing here? Is there sin? Is there something I need to pursue differently? Is there something I need to do? Do I need to ask for forgiveness? And every single time when I bring something to the community and they help me evaluate that, that's why I love this community. That's why I love this covenant community of members. Because they have shown continual care for me and my family. That's what our identifier is. That continual care focused around what? Christ. Our sin that is in our hearts. It's inevitable that a sin attack is going to come. We can do whatever we want to try and keep it from coming. We can read God's word. We can pray. We can be in good fellowship with other people. We can listen to great sermons. But it's inevitable. It's coming. So when it comes, how do you respond? Do you respond to elders that try and say, that ain't good what's happening in your life and say, I don't care, see you. Because that's what some people have done to some of your elders. Or do you say, help me understand this more. Because I guarantee those three men that I sit at an elder table with, oh, they've prayed about it. They've examined scripture about it before ever talking to you. And those in this community around us, that's what our focus is on your relationship with Christ. Because in this world, is there one that matters more? As I bring stuff up with my covenant community about my marriage, is my focus mainly on my wife or about God being glorified in my relationship with her? It's the latter. As I talk about things in my own struggles, maybe as a teacher or at my work or talking with my the co-workers, is my focus just about interacting with them better or is it about glorifying God in those settings more? That's what we're focused on and that's why we focus on membership at Refuge because without that, would you know how committed I am to you? If we did not have membership, if we did not have covenant leaders as Jeff will talk about next week, we are committed to caring for you as elders just as you are committed to continual care for those that are part of Refuge Church. As the band comes up, let's reflect on those things, that we have membership here at Refuge because it helps our leaders know who they are continually watching over in the covenant community, who they are continually caring for. And it is that continual watching and that continual care that keeps us from letting that sin be the end of us. Just like that company, those workers come together, help keep that company from that attack being the end of them. We rally around a greater cause. We rally around the gospel. This morning, I hope you are remember, reminded of the importance of membership and elders that watch over you and a community that cares. Let us pray. 
God, I thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for us so that I can call these people my brothers and sisters. I thank you for the ways in which they pursue their relationship with you and just exemplifying your son to a lost world. May we never be in a situation like the First Corinthian church where we would be arrogant about sin happening among us. But also, may we not be surprised when someone says there might be sin in our lives that is going unchecked. Let us expect that, but also let us have hope in that. Help us accept that with humility. May we have leaders that we can joyfully follow, but also continually caring for those around us as well. Because it is all for your glory and not for ours, not for Refuge Church, but that your name may be known in this community. Amen.